Christine, and in a few moments you'll meet Karen, and we are the Modern Principal. We're two elementary principals on a quest to redefine the role of leadership in schools and use our voice to steer the new generation of leaders in education, regardless of their formal role. We try to keep our pod short, sweet, and simple, right to the point, a bite-sized bit of PD you can tackle on your way to or from school each day. Each week on the pod, we take a real-life scenario sent to us from listeners and address it through the three lenses of scholar, systems, and soul. This week on the pod, we are on part two of three about being on the other side of the interview. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey. Hi, Christine. Hi, Karen. How's it going? I'm very cold in your basement today. <laughs> in our, our basement closet studio. In our basement closet. And before yes. we started, I had to ask what stains were on the shoulders of your shirt because it looked like baby spit up. Nope, it's queso. <laughs> Which makes me wonder yeah. how you are eating queso so violently. It's spring break. That it flies to your spring shoulders. Spring break. It's, it's time for aggressive queso eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm finishing up spring break. Or no, I'm no. starting spring break and Karen's finishing. finishing. Today is my last moment. It's just a normal and weekend at And this she point. cares about our listeners so much that she is here Recording to record a pod. in her last moments when of like spring break. When it's like 70 degrees and outside. It's, yeah, it is really beautiful. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Yeah. We did a lot of stuff outside today. It was really nice. We did too. You guys went... We went golfing. Golfing. And we did projects and... That sounds played exciting. Outside. Yeah. It is exciting. This is We're almost done with projects. That's what you say. And That's I, what I hear always say. Your husband always like says, husband. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Um, we started my morning playing frisbee. My kid could literally oh. do she could do any sport all day, all day long. Wow, I have not played frisbee in a very long time. Well, my kid will play with you. I probably have never played. <laughs> probably have never played. I have a little bit of anxiety going back to work. Oh, I bet. I think like when you get like a little uh-huh. hump of time off, you're yeah. just like, oh, am I going to remember like how the, to do it? It's like the Sunday scaries on steroids. Yes. Yeah. I'm a little no, I'm worried. Like, is it going to be? Am I going to know what I'm doing? I do. You're like, yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. Like, after you go on a trip and you haven't been driving. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I haven't driven in nine oh, days. Oh, do I know how? <laughs> Which side of the road? <laughs> All right. So, this week, we are on part two of three, and our scenario actually came from Karen's husband. Yes. Um, And the initial, our last week pod. Yes. Um, And he was like, you guys talk a lot about interviewing and helping people get jobs. I'd love to hear some things about the other side. When you're on the side of the table, giving those questions and hiring someone. And so last week, we talked kind of about that in in general, and this week, we're really diving into the questions. Okay. Well, it was really funny because we kept saying this will be a two and three parter, and then we didn't write down what the second or third part was. So mostly, we're just like, what are we talking about again? But now we know. We know. So we're going to talk about when you bring people in, what are some ways to prepare your questions and what you do um, with your candidate to really... during the interview. During the interview. We kind of separated into pre, during, and And post. post. Yep. So this is the during moments. Yes. Okay. What you got? All right. So we've already talked about preparing your team and how to find your candidates by looking at their resumes. Yes. So now we need to make sure that um, our questions are really good and that they're going to get us the candidate that we want. Yes. There's a book. Um, I briefly, this is the scholar, the scholar part, but I wrote it on the systems on our organizer, so that's confusing me. <laughs> but there was um, an author called Mary Clements, and she wrote a lot about um, interviewing, interview questions and how to really, like, as a 
instructional, not instructional. This was not necessarily for education. But as a hirer, what are good ways to do it? And she says, be sure to write behavior-based questions. Oh, what's that mean? So that means instead of saying, um, instead of saying, what's your... What do you think about technology in the classroom? You would do something like, tell me about a time when. Got it. Give me the moment when. Um, and what has your experience with blank been? So just making them come up with specifics as That's opposed good. to just leaving it more generic and perhaps getting generic answers. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yes. So behavior-based would be relating it to, to making them give you an example, so to speak. Um. What do you feel like are... Some legal pieces about questions. I feel like I've seen, I I just am shocked. Like, I hear people oh, all the time yeah. say that they've been asked things that are, like, borderline illegal in terms of, like, acting about protected classes. Uh-huh. And well, as you'll recall from last week, 73% of principals says they have no training. Yep. Um, <laughs> including on the legal <laughs> ramifications of hiring. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you should not ask about anything that is a protected class. Yeah, and I think that you have to... You might want to read what that is if you don't know. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, you should probably be looking into that for first. multiple <laughs> reasons. Like, it also affects discipline, so be sure yep. you've looked at that, yeah, guys. Yeah, but I I just... It's so interesting um, to hear people and talking about how they have been asked about marital status and children and that uh-huh. sort of thing. And Now, there are some questions that people don't typically ask, but they can because they're like, is it weird to ask that? Like, um, for example, can you ask what, a lot of times you'll see people jump from job to job mm-hmm. and people wonder about that, but they're like, can I ask it? Yeah, you can ask it. That's yeah. not a protected class. Yeah. You can say, why are you, um, I've noticed on your resume, you've moved positions. Tell me about your choices in that. That's a good one. That's a good way to frame it. Uh-huh. <laughs> or what's making you want to come to this job right now? Anything like that, you absolutely can ask about that. Good. So one of the things that I thought was interesting that I don't do enough, and I want to get better at this, and I need to read a little bit more, but um, a lot of like administrators don't think about asking questions that relate to equity in a way that actually gets to beliefs as opposed mm. to just like generic philosophy. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yep. So yep. some of the questions I found were really interesting. Um, so thinking about where your building is and what um, your community is like. And- yep. For example, mine, you know, we're over, we're, 60% free and reduced lunch. So working with students from impoverished backgrounds is important. Yeah. So some questions that I found would be um, talking about, like, is there a difference when you teach children in poverty? Interesting. Like, I think that would make a lot of people uncomfortable if they yep. were asked that question. Yep. But I think you need to ask those kind of questions. Um, asking questions like, can generational poverty be broken? Yeah. What are your beliefs there? Yeah. Why is there um, an achievement gap? Yep. I've heard. Can you to, overcome the achievement yeah. gap? Um, like we have questions too, where we like define what an at-risk student is, and then uh-huh. we ask um, the staff member or the you know the candidate to um, share what they believe causes a child to be at risk, mm-hmm. and um, and then what are some possible solutions for that. But it's it's always really really interesting to hear what people say causes high risk. Yeah, like a student to be at risk. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be really nervous. Yeah, but like you need to be able like. 
it gives you a, a really good insight into how deep their their knowledge of of equity and um, systematic racism and, that and their comfort in yeah. discussing it yes. and talking about yes. it and highlighting what their actionable steps can be. Yeah. Yeah, so that when I was looking up different kinds of questions, there's really three different kinds of questions. There's opinion questions, which those are hard to assess whether or not the person's answering. Like, right. those are very subjective. Like, right. what are your strengths? Those are an opinion question sure. because that person's answering to them, and everyone around the table may like or dislike that answer. Yeah. So yeah. those are not the strongest kind of questions right. to go with. Then there's the fact questions. Those are when you're really digging into the content knowledge of instruction. Those mm-hmm. are important to ask and to ask those in like behavioral type settings, uh-huh. like asking like, when was the last time a student didn't learn something you taught the first time? Right. What did you do? Like those kind of like content knowledge, you need to have a good balance of those. Yeah. Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking about, I've asked people before, um, we ask about like a classroom management challenge and those uh-huh. are just always fascinating to me. Yes. <laughs> Describe a recent classroom management challenge. And they're just like, uh. And they're like, how how deep do you want me to go? And like just people's different experiences. Uh-huh. Or like how real can I get? And I'm like, tell me. Tell yeah. Me. That's what I want to hear. Yes. Or you have the people who are like, I had a kid who put their head down for three and four hours and you're like, oh, that's the hardest. <laughs> Yeah, a student that wouldn't turn in their homework? Yeah. No. Okay, so there are the opinion questions. Remember, like, you wouldn't want very many of those. Then there's the fact questions, which you would want a lot of those, but frame them, like, behaviorally. And then the final type is, like, situational or hypothetical, Mm -hmm. which these can also... The good thing about these is these uncover their comfortableness with the job. Their comfortableness? Yes, is that a real word? (laughs) I think it's comfort. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I failed that interview. Um, And these can all kind of predict job performance. Got it. So you would really want, like this one, my classroom management for this is always like, tell me about a time you were teaching a lesson and a student disrupted you. Right. So then when they answer that and I say, okay, okay, okay. And then I just keep pushing. Yep. And I say, okay, so you go back to teaching. You... And it happens again. It happens again. (laughs) And that didn't work. And it happens again. And that didn't work. And it happens again. And then it's just, it's interesting to see, like, when they'll call for help, how far they'll coach the student. And when they give up on the question itself. Yes. Yes. That's actually when I was interviewing for Teach for America, that was always, like, the big one that um, people kind of talked about. Because they would say, let's say you're working with a student and you're trying to get them to a certain level of achievement and you try something and it doesn't work. What do you do? And then it's the same thing. Uh huh. And that doesn't work. Then what would you do? Uh huh. Then what would you do? Then what would you do? <laughs> and and you, yeah, and you just see how far they'll take it and right. what they do. <laughs> right. And not only does that tell you how many tools are in their toolbox, but it tells about persistence. Yes. It tells about um, a lot of times people will say, well, I'll collaborate. Like some people never even get to that part. Mm-hmm. Like never even think to reach out and ask anyone yep. else. Like all of those different things are so important. So fin- one final thing I was thinking about system-wise. So that's kind of the scholarly part. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking system-wise was really thinking about sometimes it's nice. And Adam Welcome, when we talked with him one time, on a, I think on his pod, he talked about a curveball question, but he didn't call it that. And I found an article in the New York Times that talked about the curveball questions. Yeah, I want to know your opinion on this and what the article said. So the article said it's a really good way to get to know the person's personality okay. and get them talking in a way that kind of loosens them up so Ooh. they'll feel more comfortable answering more questions. So, like, put it in the middle. Um, oh, really? If they think they're bombing, you put it and it'll kind of, like, loosen them up and give them, like, a joke. 
Like, kind I of hate feel. them. You hate them? Just, like, personally. So a curveball question would be something, like, that is not related to the fields. Just very like generic. Like, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? I yes. hate those. If you were a kitchen utensil, what would you be and why? I got asked one of those at my one of my interviews at the Buckle um, in high school. Well, you I got the job. It. Well, you got the job, so clearly you I probably said, like, a koala. Picked the right... Because I did an, I did an <laughs> article or report on the koala in third grade, so that's what's hanging on with me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> But those, I mean, I don't use them very often, but I just well, I mean, maybe you New should. York, if the New York Times is saying to do it, you should do it. I mean, I do anything the New York <laughs> Times tells me. And then finally, always kind of trying to time, um, like add time frames in is a good way to spice hmm. up your questions. So like instead of saying, tell me about a conflict, maybe saying, when was the last time you experienced a conflict with a... And tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, or just asking sometimes those things. Have you ever done, um, like, the lesson component where teachers actually teach a lesson? And what are your thoughts on that? I have done it. I've done it two different ways. I've done it where we actually go into a classroom. Oh, and they do it with real kids. And then I've done it where they just bring... And they teach, like, your interview team, essentially, as the students. Yeah, I don't... That feels so awkward, so I just mostly have them walk us through the lesson rather than teach it. Okay. But, like, bring something to share with us. I have done it where the candidate does teach the interview team as students. What do you think? I thought you could really get a good feel for how the teacher was, like, their... How dynamic they were as a teacher, what their teaching style was. Um, I liked it. I don't know, though, if there is any correlation, you know what I mean, to uh-huh. the success uh-huh, to the success of the teacher or how, you know, the retention of the teacher, anything like that. Yeah, I I will say when we did it with students, that was very telling, like just of their comfort with kids. With kids. I don't... I that would think, be so nerve-wracking. Uh-huh. It's already hard, like, if you're an instructional coach and you go in, you know, you know the kids, but they're not yours, so you don't have their your routines and your classroom management system, uh-huh. so that would be really intimidating. It was. It I, was. We. I haven't done it since. Uh, I don't know. I think it was It was a lot to orchestrate, too. Yeah, yeah. That it was, it was a lot of work on that, that end. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. I like having them bring something in. Yeah, having an artifact of some sort of a lesson or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. That okay. would give you a really clear view on how they, what they know about lesson planning. Yeah. sometimes people can't verbalize it as well as they can do it. I agree. Um, I've especially even found that sometimes, you know, you have that scale of proficiency where people, like, are unaware of what they're doing yes. and not, what's what's that called? It's oh, someone, yeah. Someone's ladder. I can't remember what it's called. Yes, yes. Um, where they're unaware and also not good. Yes, and then they get <laughs> then, to yeah, aware but still not good. Yeah, and then they're unaware but good, like, sometimes. Uh-huh, and, so and then they're aware. Sometimes those people don't interview as well. I will also say it's really important to be specific about what you're looking for because a lot if you're not with a lesson, a lot of people just bring in something they did in high school or college or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always try to give a specific grade, a oh, specific time frame, and a specific subject. So like fourth grade ELA and second quarter. That's good. And it's really telling when people have actually like gone to our website and looked up our looked curriculum. Looked at your curriculum. Oh, that's probably really genius. Well, it's actually like, I'm like, oh my God, you were able to navigate our website and get our curriculum. That's like go. half the battle <laughs> when I hire you. So you've already figured that out. Way to go. Yes. Okay. All right. Moving into the soul. I don't think we have anything. Oh, we don't? No. Not really. I mean, we kind of covered the soul with the questions, right? You're right. You're right. All right. Do we have nothing we feel when we interview? One thing I will say, I don't know if this is soul or not, or just me because I'm getting old. 
I have found that if you have more than six people, everything starts to run together and you get really tired. That's a good point. In a full day of interviews. And I think you start to lose the candidates. Like, you just start to get, I don't know. Yeah. Seeing cross eyes. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So I would make sure you don't do more than five or six in a day or your team will get worn down. Because we usually, as principals, sign up for, like, two to three hour blocks of time for interviewing. Mm -hmm. And if they're back to back, it can be very... Yes. By the time you're done, you are really tired. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Right. An important thing to do legally, we didn't say, is to keep the questions the same yep. for the candidate. So yep. you need to be asking everyone the same questions. And if you're one of those people that goes off script, you need to make sure that when you're going off script, you know where you're going. <laughs> Don't just go You know wild. who you are. You uh-huh. know who you are listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I think all that's right. all we have yep. um, from the desk of the modern principal. The most important thing you do as a leader is hire the right people from david cottrell thanks for joining us today be sure to subscribe to our pod to receive them as soon as they drop follow us on instagram at the modern principal and you can find more at themodernprincipal.com bye